Look, I want to start this morning uh, with a fresh look at an Old Testament story that's got a miracle in it, but of course more than that with this particular story, it gives us insight into how this miracle happened. And I want to take you uh, to a great man of the faith, a guy called Job. Um, let me just pray just very quickly that God's Word will go into our hearts today. Eh? Mighty Lord, we just thank you. Uh, you are the God of the Word of God. And I pray today that your words will go deep into us, God, and live in us, God. Bring us revelation and understanding, Lord, and flow out into our doing and our speaking and our believing. In Jesus' name, amen. So Job, and now if you've read the book of Job, uh, you know a little bit of the story. It's about um, this guy called Job, and, and this guy loved God. He was successful uh, in business. As a result, he was wealthy. He had a large family. He was well-loved and well-known in his community. But what happened was he was tested by God. Uh, God allowed the devil to come and sequentially destroy everything that he loved in his life. And it's an amazing story of a guy who lost everything but continued to trust in God anyway. Now the miracle comes at the end of the story. Let me read this to you in Job 42 verse 10. It says, The Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as before. Now, twice as much, right? That's a miracle in anybody's book. But what many people don't realize is that the scripture also tells us how God did that. Let me read this to you. Uh, it's in Job 42, verse 11. And it says this it says, All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him. And here it is, each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. Now, Job was well-loved. He was obviously well-connected. Everyone who knew him, we are told, everyone who knew him came, had a meal with him, and then gave him silver and gold. Everybody who knew him came and sowed a little bit of what they had back into this man's life. How much silver and gold did he end up with? Well, we're not told exactly, but we know that it must have been enough capital to restart all of his businesses, purchase new stock, employ new people to work for him, and then see those businesses go on and thrive. It happened because a bunch of people were willing to take a little of what they had and sow it into a man's life that they believed in. That's amazing. We should never forget the power of sowing something that may be small to us. But once it's sown, God can do big things with it. Because this is, also, this is, yes, it's a story about Job, but actually it's also, almost more importantly, it's a story about a community who were willing to be a part of seeing God do something great. Now, I'd like to take a moment, if it's okay, to share another story uh, about a miracle that happened when a bunch of people sowed. And this comes from uh, a different church than Papakura. It comes from the very first church that Liz and I had the privilege of pastoring, which was Elam Christian Center, Dunedin. Now, we have an amazing facility down there in Dunedin. Uh, we managed to pay that off during our tenure as senior pastors there. But the challenge we had was that the land was, uh, sorry, the church was built on leasehold land. Now, we had a, a very reasonable lease and had done for many years, which is fantastic. But one year we had um, our... Um, our three-yearly lease review, and we were told that they were putting our lease up 800%. Okay? Now, we're not talking 8% here. We're not even talking 100%. 
but 800% was what they were what they were planning on putting out at least. Now we were shocked, of course. So honestly, we were a bit fearful because it became very clear that the writing was on the wall, that it wasn't going to be long until we were not going to be able to be there anymore. Now, we managed to negotiate a 200% lease increase, which sounds really good compared to 800%, but it doesn't sound real good compared to any other lease increase you or I have ever heard of. I mean, it was, it was a bit of a big deal for us. And so we realized we needed to step out in faith and do something with us. So we started a land purchase fund. We began putting a portion of the tithes and offerings, the giving that came in, into that fund. And we began to try and buy the land that we were on, which was owned by the regional council. After a year of writing letters and doing all sorts of things to try and get in front of the board to pitch why they should sell it to us, I received a call from the CEO who told me to stop. He said, you need to understand something. Your bit of land is a tiny little jigsaw puzzle piece and a big bit of land that we've got big plans for. We are never going to sell that land. It is never going to happen, so you need to stop. So that was um, a little bit, that was a wee bit gutting because, because, of course, you know, while we're praying, we're also working really hard, but now all of our working had come to nothing and we found ourselves in a place of having to go, well, God, the ball is now entirely in your court. So we'd started this fund to try and raise some money and uh, we, we, we started looking around for other land that we could possibly buy. Uh, and there was just, there was nothing in our area, literally nothing. We we're right on the edge of the university, right on the edge of the, of the port area, which we didn't realize, but at the time was all being bought up for the new Forsyth Bar Sports Stadium. So we, there was just nothing going at all. Now in the minute, middle of all this, God challenged us as a church to sow. We had maybe maybe 10000 in our land purchase account at this point. And we knew we would need every dime we could get when it came to purchasing land. But we also realized that it was God's work. It was God's work, not ours. And so after repeatedly hearing and, and sensing that God wanted us to take what little we had and sow it away from ourselves, with the congregation's agreement, we took that 10000 we gave some of it to a small rural Elam church that wanted to buy its own building. We gave some to a local Anglican church, which had a big refurb um, uh, project going on. We gave some to a local Baptist church that was trying to uh, build its own building. We sowed that. Our account was empty, but seed had been sown. And what we didn't realize but was that God was going to work. Let me fast forward six months. Six months later... And the first we found out about it was it was on the front page of the Daily Paper, the Otago Daily Times. And it was an announcement that the regional council was selling a small bit of prime land, just five or six sections right where we were. In fact, we were the very middle piece of land out of all of the land that they were selling. We couldn't believe it. We immediately uh, got in touch with a broker and we, and we began to, to, to start the process of trying to find out how we could get hold of this land. I mean, it was a complete miracle that this had happened. But what we had no idea of was that God was still, we'd only started seeing the miracles. The first thing that happened was we had to tender for this. There were a number of people tendering. We were told that the amount that we could tender for, and if it was below that, they would not even negotiate. Uh, we, we didn't have any money, so we tendered lower than that, and they accepted our tender. In fact, the broker told us that he believed the only reason they accepted our tender was because they recognized the difference we were making 
in the community that we were in. That was amazing. Then we went to the congregation for an offering to try and raise enough money to pull a deposit together. And our congregation just was so generous. It was amazing. And yet we were still miles short of what we needed for the deposit. And then the ultimate miracle, the council called. To our astonishment, uh, three sections or two sections away from us was an intersection. It was a three-way intersection. In that intersection was a triangle bit of grass. It was just in the middle of an intersection. It was two sections away from our section. Apparently, that bit of grass was on our title. Also, apparently, on the, under that bit of grass ran all of the easements, all the water pipes, all the electrical cables for the entire area, and the regional council were really keen to get their hands on that bit of triangle. And would we consider selling it to them, this bit of grass that we never even knew that we owned? And so I said, how much do you want for it? And the amount that they told us they wanted for it was the exact amount of what we needed for the deposit to buy the land. It was a complete miracle. It was a complete miracle. And I believe it happened because we obeyed God and we sowed what we had. You see, there's a miracle in the seed. There is. And can I say to you that there's a miracle in your seed as well? Let me read to you from Mark chapter 4. Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. You see, a seed is taken and it's buried down in the ground. It's small. It looks like a tiny little chip of wood, doesn't it? I mean, we've all seen seeds. It's just this little dead thing, but we stick it in the ground. But you know what? There's a miracle in that seed. You see, once a seed is planted, that seed begins to grow, regardless of what the planter does. Once it is down, the miracle begins to happen all by itself. And before long, a stalk starts to come out. I mean, where did that come from? Look, like, there wasn't room for that in the seed. Like, there's something going on here. And then what happens is then a head begins to form. Like, where did that come from? It's already like 100 times bigger than, like, how, what's going on here? And then what happens is then a full kernel of grain comes up containing many, 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 many more seeds than the original seed that was sown, but identical to it. Where did that come from? I'm telling you, there's a miracle in a seed. And I'll teach you just a couple of things about seeds. Firstly, is this, is that it doesn't matter about the size of the seed. The size of what is produced has no relation to the size of the seed that is sown. Mark chapter 4, verse 30, Jesus speaking. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable should we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Even a small seed can make a huge difference in the world. The second thought is this, is that it does matter that the seed is sown. A seed must be planted before the miracle is released. When it is planted, the Word of God says, it grows and becomes 
something. There has to be a giving away. There has to be a letting go of. There has to be a a taking out of your hand and entrusting it to good soil. And then the miracle working power of God begins to happen. Here's the third thought this morning, is that every generation reaps what the previous generation sowed. Do you realize when you go to New World or Countdown or Pack and Save and you buy an apple, do you realize that apple wasn't sown by someone the same age as you? That apple was sown by a previous generation. That, sorry, the, the tree that that apple came from was planted by a previous generation. First Corinthians 3, 6, Paul talks of what he has sown into people's lives. He says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. He says, I sow, God makes it grow, and then you get to harvest it. There's a miracle in the seed, but somebody has to sow it. Do you realize that we are reaping right now here in Kura Campus, we are reaping what those in our congregations who are probably 50 years old or 60 years old or 70 years old or 80 years old, what they took the responsibility to sow a generation ago. And we are reaping that now. Every dollar given, every encouragement spoken, every prophecy uttered, every hour served is now the facility that you see, the teaching that you sit under and the leaders that you follow. And we've got to realize that because when a generation fails to sow, it's the following generation that has to start from zero. Our kids, both our natural kids and our spiritual kids, will reap a harvest from what we sow in this season. Amen? And here's the great thing. God invites you through His principles and His promises, through the miracle that He's put in the creation that we call a seed. God invites us to be someone who makes a difference in our world, not just in this generation, but in the generation to come. And I tell you, it never gets more real than when you have kids, right? I mean, every parent in this house feels that. Every parent in this house spends their life trying to make things better for their children than they were for them. I'm seeing lots of heads nodding. God invites you to be a part of doing something not only now, but for the generation to to come.